Now let's turn to our scripture for today. It comes from the whole chapter of Psalm 67, Psalm 67 verses 1 to 7. This morning we have a privilege of having Reverend Davis to preach for us again. Uh, he serves from the Surge Home Office as Global Learning Program Leader. Surge, if you don't know, is a global missions organization that Renewal supports. He's going to give us more uh, to introduce us and uh, what he does in his message. But uh, let us turn to Psalm 67 and hear the word of the Lord. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Good morning. Did I do that correctly? I had the sense that I was turning it off instead of turning it on, but sounds like we're good. So thanks so much for the welcome. Good to be here with friends old and new, and especially fun to represent Surge uh, during Mission Month at Renewal. Uh, I, I thought to begin this morning with uh, three excerpts from recent updates uh, from friends and colleagues of mine who are all serving cross-culturally overseas. Uh, so James and Faith shared some stories. I'm going to give you more stories. The first is from Barry, who is part of a church planting team among immigrants and refugees in Hounslow, West London. Uh, so Barry says, On the Saturday outreach in Hounslow, our friend Paula introduced me to a large Kurdish refugee family displaced by ISIS who had been traveling across Europe for several years and arrived recently in the UK. They spoke very broken English except for their 11-year-old son who served as their translator. The father kept saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. As I pieced together their story through the translation of the son, I learned that the family had been helped by Christians all across Europe. The church has helped us along our way, but the church never told us about Christ. I want to know the Christ of the church that has helped us. I told him that we are a small and new church in Hounslow and that we may not be able to help them as much as other churches had, but what we can definitely do is to tell them about the Christ of the church. They started to come along to church on Sundays, worshiping in a language which they hardly knew, meeting our church family and experiencing the love of God's people. We located a Kurdish Bible in their dialect and gave it to them so that they can meet Christ on the pages of Scripture. 
as they hear of Christ proclaimed in our service. Please pray with us that this precious family might come to know Christ and find hope and rest in the gospel. Second story is from Anna, who lives and serves in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. She says, I have continued work with the internally displaced people in a camp in an area called Ruampara. We've hired two Congolese nurses who consult and treat simple illnesses every day, run the malnutrition program, and do prenatal care for all the pregnant women in the camp. They are doing a great job. At the moment, we are distributing fortified porridge powder, yum, to 170 malnourished pregnant and breastfeeding women and children ages zero to five each week. We've been paying for every pregnant woman from the camp to receive basic prenatal care and have a free delivery at the local hospital. Before we started this program, women were getting no prenatal care and were often delivering at home or on the road. Our, and Anna writes in a, another place as sort of a summary statement, our deep desire is that we might live and serve in such a way that despite all their suffering, poverty, loss, and trauma, the Congolese would know that God has not forgotten them. And the, the last comes from a young couple whom I uh, had the opportunity to mentor personally in the year before they went overseas. They are living among Muslims in North Africa. And they write, Once again, we experience the incredible generosity of friends and neighbors here inviting us into their special traditions. We had dinner with our upstairs neighbors, G and F, as they cooked lamb and lung skewers on their little rooftop barbecue. We also had a really special meal with some new friends of ours that own a plant nursery in town. We spent the afternoon in their outdoor living room in the middle of the nursery, enjoying a meal together and playing hide and seek with their two little girls. The kindness and generosity here continue to amaze us, although it feels hard sometimes to have deep conversations. I recognize that we are in a place of building relationships and amazingly are able to communicate more and more in the local language. We continue to ask that the Father would fill our words and actions with his fragrance. So what do these stories have in common? I'm going to give you a really simple answer. Uh, these stories make me happy. They make my heart glad, right? That, that first story, the Kurdish dad, right? Everywhere we've gone on this long, hard road, Christians have been kind to us. Will you tell me please now about Jesus? Isn't that great? And the expectant moms in the Congo you need to understand, they were all displaced from their homes by intertribal violence. That's why they're in this camp. And the Lord, in his kindness, meets them there and provides for them and for their little ones. It's so good. And uh, the last story, I, I, I know that you don't know these guys like I do, right? I know them, and I love them, 
and I am so glad that this particular couple is living exactly where they are living, and that God in his goodness has given them these friendships with these people, that meals are being eaten together, that their little girl is playing with the little girls of these new friends. It just makes me happy. <laughs> this morning we are looking at really big themes of the global mission of the church. But we're going to do so specifically through the lens of joy, praise, and gladness. And the idea is that God's blessing on your life, the experience of the grace of God given to you, would make you glad, would cause you to be a person who is characterized more and more by joy and praise. And uh, that as you all gather together in community and share your gladness together, that renewal would more and more be a community characterized by joy. And that it wouldn't stop there, right? But that that joy would overflow beyond the immediate community to, to just begin to propel you outward more and more with an attentiveness and a concern and a heart uh, for the places where you live and also for the nations, right? Um, and the prayer would be just that the same gospel, the same Savior who has made you glad would also make many other men, women, and children glad, right, happy because of the goodness of God toward them. It's joy as a propellant, a joy as a motivator, joy as a catalyst for more joy. You see, you, you don't do missions if there isn't any joy. If, uh, if the gospel is old and tired, and uh, your own heart is not encouraged and glad because God has been good to you, there's really no motivation or interest at all in, in seeing that gospel communicated to anybody else. Let's look at this psalm. So here's how it begins. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. That's where it starts. Very, very simple request. Um, this is a song to be sung together in worship. And... Uh, and God's people come together and ask together, God, would you be gracious to us? Uh, would you bless us? And part of what's interesting to me about this, this is a, a short psalm, obviously, um, and, and not, uh, not limited by context, right? So it, it's not necessarily a, a psalm, a song, 
that comes from a place of trouble or sadness or desperation or need. There are other psalms like that, lots of them, in fact. Um, but this one is a, a simple psalm that requires no particular context or life circumstances. So you could sing it out of trouble. You could also sing it out of prosperity. Um, and, and really, inevitably, right, in, in a community, when we pray a psalm together, we, we pray from the diversity of many contexts. Um, whoever you are, whatever your context, this is a song in the hymn book of God's people uh, given to you individually, but together, to, to sing together. And it begins, God be gracious to us. Um, but here's what I want you to hear. If you are singing this psalm, praying this psalm as a Christian, uh, as one who belongs by faith to Jesus, then this is your context, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. You may be experiencing trouble of various kinds, and I don't want to invalidate that at all. You may be burdened and sad and troubled in your spirit this morning for various reasons, but the things that this psalm asks for in verse 1, that God would be gracious to you and bless you and make his face to shine on you, right? Friends, if you belong to Christ, these things are already true about you. Do you know that? This is really an essential preliminary consideration. If there is going to be any conversation about world missions, why, why would you begin to think about world missions unless you know the Lord God as a God of grace? And, and really the, the question comes to you this morning, in your heart of hearts, what do you believe about the character of God toward you? Uh, what do you know specifically from your own experience of the character of God? It's there uh, from the beginning of the Bible. Uh, for instance, in Exodus 34, when Moses has this intimate encounter with God, right, when the presence of God passes very, very close and God proclaims to Moses his name, his character. And what is the first thing you need to know about the character of God? Who is he? The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He is compassionate and gracious. Um, do, do you know him to be that? toward you. This phrase in Psalm 67, may God make his face to shine upon us. And this is pretty profound. Uh, what does it mean? Is God for you? <laughs> is his heart toward you 
settled and resolved? Is it consistent in his determination, no matter what, to show kindness to you? And, uh, you know, friends, this is really the takeaway of the message of Jesus. Uh, Do you know what it means that God has given his son for you? It means, among other things, that he has made up his mind that he loves you and he's for you. And uh, for that reason, he has not withheld anything. He has not kept anything back. He has given the son whom he loves so that you, uh, each of you, might live and not die. He does not have mixed feelings about you. He is not ambivalent. He has made up his mind to bless you. And uh, if you belong to Jesus Christ by faith today, you sit under the grace of God in a place of unmerited favor, which is permanent and unshakable. He has already been gracious. He has already blessed you. His face already shines on you. So when you pray Psalm 67, 1, you are not asking for anything that you don't already have. Um, I think it just translates to, in your case, Father, would you give me a sharper apprehension of this blessing? a more settled heart knowledge of it, and a fuller understanding of the love of God toward me. And then would you give me the freedom to live out of it? And Lord, would you give me the joy of my salvation? And uh, if you are not here, this morning as a follower of Jesus, I would just want you to hear that, that the, the message of, of Christ is a message that God is a compassionate God who, who is not in a posture of condemnation, who is not in a, a, a posture of accusation, but who comes to you as a gracious friend who desires to bless you. Okay, uh, so, all right, why are we asking for this, this blessing? Is it for our personal pleasure? Uh, It's not. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. Verse 2 so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Um, What are we asking? It's something like this. Lord, let your people be revived and renewed in the knowledge of your grace and goodness. Why? Answer, so that your character and your salvation might be more widely known. 
even among all nations. And as you read on in verses 3 and 4, so that that knowledge might result in praise to God and gladness among sinners saved by grace. That there might be a, a simple, settled, worshipful happiness among broken people who are coming to know, as, uh, as Anna wrote about the women in the DRC, that God has not forgotten them, that he has a heart of compassion, and that they too are invited to live in the peace and joy of restored relationship with him. The renewal of God's people in the knowledge of his grace results in an overflow of the knowledge of God's grace, an overflow of joy that reaches more and more people. Uh, you know, there is here in the 21st century a counterfeit gospel that is really very powerful around the world, but that is a very poor copy of the real thing. Uh, so I, I'm thinking of the prosperity gospel that teaches that faith in Christ is a good way to achieve a life of health and wealth. The reality, of course, is both much more complicated, but also much better than that. Uh, the prosperity gospel is self-focused, self-concerned, and unconcerned, both with the glory of God and, uh, and with the blessing of my neighbor. Um, it's, it's small. It's anemic. The gospel of Jesus Christ, in contrast, is a message of the grace of God that does not just give you what you want and allow you to remain essentially the same. Inward-looking, uh, self-absorbed, and oblivious. Um, that is oblivious both to the glory of God and also to the great need of the world. No, the grace of God disrupts your life. It, uh, it shakes you up. It, God, in his grace, because he loves you, will not leave you in that place of self-absorption. Right? He redeems you out of it. He calls you to lift up your head and begin to be attuned to a much bigger world with a much bigger story of what life is about and a much more important and purposeful way of life. I'm sure that uh, you all are people who use your smartphones only sparingly as necessary to communicate with loved ones and occasionally to access important information. Uh, so this illustration will probably fall wide of the mark, but let me try it anyway. 
Uh, the grace of God is like this. Someone stole your phone and you did not immediately replace it. Instead, you began to do some things that were new and different. You began to chat with people in the checkout aisle. You began to notice how beautiful the sunset is and the autumn leaves. Uh, you began to play the piano again. Uh, one morning at breakfast, you made eye contact with a family member. You called up a friend and got together for coffee. Uh, you read a book. You planted a garden. You began to be interested in things. Do you know that the world is full of eight billion people made in the image of God? There are thousands of cultures, thousands of people groups, languages, cuisines, which is really fun. Uh, the world is a place of heartbreaking suffering and also of haunting beauty. And God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, friends, I need salvation not just from oppressive physical circumstances, but from myself. Right? I need to be delivered from self-indulgence, self-centeredness, and also a, a stunning, callous indifference. Right? Indifference to other people here and abroad, and indifference to the glory of God. I wonder... You know, this, this latter bit, I, I wonder if, if you've ever thought about this. Indifferent to other people, I, I think we all sort of get that. Um, indifferent to the glory of God. Um, do you know that a human being, man or a woman, it is made to live in the pleasure of relationship with the glorious God? Um, it is made to be alive and attuned to the, the wonder of the character of who he is, uh, to, to, to live learning more of him and wanting others to know more of him, um, wanting him to get praise. Um, I feel like that is, it's, it's almost sort of incidental, you know, like, oh yeah. Um, but it's actually, it, it, it's core to what being a human being is supposed to be. And, and to begin to be roused from apathy about God and his glory.
that's deliverance because my heart is so easily crusted over and indifferent and, and not attuned. Um, he is saving us out of that. Uh, the need of the moment in 2022 is for the gospel of Jesus to be known and articulated for this time and in many places, uh, not only as a personal salvation story, lovely though that is, but a big, broad story for all people in every nation. Uh, the need is for that gospel to be articulated with words but also lived out, uh, worked out in culturally appropriate, diverse Christian communities uh, for the message to be contextualized for the questions of the day in these various places with integrity and love and kindness. And at home, here in the United States, the need is for a church that is compassionate and full of faith not giving way to fear when the secular culture freaks you out, okay? The church in the United States is too characterized by fear. Um, the need is not for a church that pulls up the drawbridge and withdraws, uh, but that listens that is invested in the places where we live, um, present, uh, thinking thoughtfully, thinking thoughtfully um, about the issues of the day, working at empathy with people very different from you, and seeking the Lord together, asking Jesus, what would it look like for us to do Christian community in the United States and the Northeast in the 21st century? Um, in ways that are new, while also the same. Uh, in a way that is winsome and confident and compelling and full of love, what does that need to look like in 2030? Uh, that's what you want to be about. Uh, before we close, let, let me just circle back to this issue of joy and gladness. When my two younger kids were still kids, uh, they began to notice something about their dad. Uh, my daughter Maggie noticed first, and then her younger brother piggybacked onto her observation and began to notice too. And they began to comment on this with some regularity. I, I would be minding my own business, doing stuff, living my life, and one of my kids would ask, Daddy, why are you sad? And I would say, I'm not sad. You look sad. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't like it. It bugged me. Uh, go away, kid. I'm fine. Right? Look, I'm happy. <laughs> um, but you know what? They were noticing something that was true. Lord, what is going on? Why is my default to sad? 
Uh, you know, it's a sad world. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. He himself was called a man of sorrows. So there is an appropriateness to, to us being men and women who are attuned to the brokenness of the world and, and sometimes sad. It's good to feel the sadness of other people and sometimes to participate in it. And our mourning is part of our testimony to the grace of God. But do you know what? Um, I don't think that we are supposed to be characterized by sadness. I think God's desire would be that we would be characterized by joy, a gladness, um, including Eeyore's like me and Pastor Bill. And <laughs> the Father loves you. The Son has redeemed you. He's conquered death, the victory has been won, the spirit has been poured out, and the kingdom is on the move. Uh, if you are not glad, let me encourage you, ask the spirit of God to make you glad. Ask him to expose in you what unbelief or confusion or mistaken idea or or idol that you are serving what is it that is blocking your joy and learn in dependence on him then to live individually and together as people on whom god's face shines let the joy of your salvation bubble up and overflow with a confident heart uh, for your neighbors and for the world. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you that we do not need to ask you to uh, be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine on us. Um, that was your heart from the beginning. And yet you give us these words uh, for us to pray, and so we do pray them. Um, Lord, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine on us so that, so that the good news might overflow to the nations, so that the nations might be glad. Um, we pray, Father, for renewal in your church and for a movement of uh, mission to the world as the grace of God uh, overcomes every obstacle. Um, lead us individually and together to know how we fit into what you were doing. In Jesus' name, amen.